0: for like the whole night, but
5: I'm good. She's here. Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. Good
3: Good morning, good morning,
5: good morning.
6: Good morning.
3: It's good to connect with everybody and all that good stuff. Let me just uh, make sure that
5: the online component is Uh, sorry, I'm having a little bit of a tech
3: glitch here. Here we go. All right, so I know that Martha will not be able to join us today. She uh, has a family thing that she's uh, attending. But I see Mark is here. I see Brandon is here. I hear Toki on the call, and L.E. is uh with us, but she's in the car, and I believe Jen O'Brien is in England right now.
4: I am here Uh,
3: with you. Oh, you're here. Oh, my goodness. Hi.
5: How are you? Hi. Cool. Great. Um, Awesome. Perfect.
3: So, cool. All right, guys. Well, let's get started. Um,
5: Let me actually, I'm just going to text Ellie real quick. uh l e Wallace okay, great let's begin uh cool
3: that you're on the call jen are you are you in England i am
4: i'm in London, England i am dog sitting this very cute dog here. And staying at my friend's place in the city and Yeah.
3: How how are English dogs different than American dogs?
4: Well, this is an American dog transplanted here in England, so
3: Oh cool. Very worldly.
4: Yes, very worldly dog here. Awesome. And I had a all nine right. hour flight to do all my homework.
3: Wow, cool. <laughs> That's
4: what I like to hear.
3: I do a lot of my writing, too, is when I travel. Okay, everyone. So let's just take a deep breath in and out.
5: On the exhales, just allow ourselves to sink in to our seat. Wherever we are, you just feel any tension in the physical body melt away. And we just invite waves and waves of bright white light to flow into the top of our head, down to
3: our toes, soaking and saturating every organ, bone, muscle. Bright white light soaks into our DNA, our cells, our atoms, our
1: electrons.
3: It grows three feet above, below, in front, behind. To the right and to the left, creating a bright white orb,
5: soaking into our orc field. We gently observe the light. Holy Spirit, we hand this class over to you.
3: We invite our teachers, our guides, our ancestors, our angels, any and all assistants in the light to support us in deepening our understanding of
5: the eternal nature of life as we shift the angle of perception, open ourselves up to a broader perspective, and new experience. We're grateful and thankful to connect in sacred circle,
3: declaring that we are the two or more who are gathered here with the intention of creating a deeper awareness of love's presence in, as, and through our lives. We place on the altar, the holy altar, any judgments, worries, fear, shame, any block that might prevent us from fully embracing the light, our true nature. We remind ourselves that we are the light. We are luminous and vibrant and beautiful. We allow divine wisdom to pour forth now and express through our thinking, through our creating.
5: And we're grateful.
3: We're so grateful. And we just share all the healing benefits of this time together, everyone dedicating the merit of this practice to the inspired spiritual community.
5: We give thanks. We release this word. And we let it be. And so it is. Um. So I'd like to check in um, um, with you all a little quick check in first a uh, happy thirtieth
3: birthday to Brandon really wonderful um, and thank you uh, yeah, yeah um, but I'd like to talk about the i am statements. I really loved what you guys were uh, putting in the in the Facebook group. Um, I think definitely the Statement of the week was "Marks, I am easy." Such a multi-layered declaration.
2: Um, <laughs> interpret that however you'd like.
3: Uh, I did. I think Brandon did as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it was really beautiful. I really loved it. Uh, so, Brandon, I hear you on the vo- uh, on the phone. Why don't you share a little bit? Uh, you had any interesting experiences or any new insights to
5: the I am work? Um, well, it, it
0: it was fun to do. And, like, actually, I had to type it out and put it on Facebook because I'm like, I actually have to mean this. <laughs> like, I actually felt like I had to mean it. Um, so I mean. Like, some days, like, I really meant it, and some days I was like, I think I only mean this much today, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) like, I think I only mean, like, part of this today, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, like, I was reminded, actually, (laughs) probably this is what triggered it. I was in, like, a funk for a bit, like, like, one of the, a pretty bad funk, actually, and, um, You know, what was helping me earlier in the summer was my God prayer, God's prayer. Mm -hmm. And I went back to that, like, actually last night because I had to, like, pull myself out. And what I ended up really focusing on and staying probably, like, three minutes just, like, naming off was in the declare section. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, I am centered. I am, like – and I just went – I, like, riffed with that for about three minutes. And I literally transformed my thinking you know, I was like, I was like nauseated, like sick to my stomach, um, emotionally and physically. And, um, and then I woke up light and enjoying whatever was coming my way. And I, so I like, I wouldn't not, I don't think I would have made that correlation really had not asked me to share, but I think having done the I am statement was like, okay, that's maybe my weaker part in the declare. I mean, the uh, God's prayer, and that's where I need to up my ante.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting because the I am um,
3: the uh, the D the declarative statement is sort of the that's the actual prayer, which I think is interesting. Like uh, mm-hmm. because you know, prayer is aligning with God. It's just alignment. And to do that, it's the uh, it's the golden key. It's the um, it's the declaration of what is. And um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really it's really good uh, insight, and good uh, good information for you to deepen your practice, your prayer practice with that. So thanks, beautiful. Um, uh, Jen, how was your experience?
4: Um, I found it difficult to come up with twenty things every day. I felt like I, you know, recycled a lot in the in the days, but I felt like they were true, so I didn't feel like I was cheating. Um and then yeah, pretty much and then and then picking one to share was kind of interesting, just kind of looking through them and and thinking, Oh, they probably already know that, they probably already know that and trying to find one that was gonna like shock you guys or you know. Um, so, you
1: know, I have fun with it.
3: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I am statements. I mean, that I've had times when I was, you know, I, I, I use that work usually when I need, um, like, there'll be periods of my life where I do a forgiveness letter every day. And I am statements every day. And a lot of times it's when I'm in the process of releasing something that um, is heavy, that's been with me for a long time, uh, you know, a belief uh, system or something that I've been carrying on for a long time that maybe I wasn't even aware of. And as it comes to the light, it requires more support. And so the I am statements, they're really powerful. They really, really are. And uh, um because you know it, we, we talk I think we talk so much about spiritual law, spiritual principle, that it becomes almost conversational, and we forget that these are actually powerful, alchemic, um, creative tools and, um, and they're effective, they're effective, they will they will create shifts in your life in the world when we practice them and um, and it's it's easy to forget that with the stuff that we learn in the beginning of the course right because it feels like uh, you know not well, kind of like amateur hour like oh everybody knows about affirmation everybody knows about kind of stuff and yet Everybody knows about them because they're really powerful and effective.
1: <laughs> so,
3: um, you know, be, there were days when my I am statement was the same I am statement that I would write down a hundred times until I was willing to believe it, until it wasn't just lip service for me. Um, but that's what these practices can do. And then it begins to, you move in, You just you just like lean in energetically into the statement and stand at that. So Yeah. Mark, do you want to share?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um I I really enjoyed the process this week. Um I'm not someone who typically does a lot of affirmational kind of work. Um but I really like um being able to just kind of brainstorm a list each day and just kind of seeing what shows up there were definitely things that were showed up every day for me on the list. Um, and those were the things that I think are just, I'm really present of mind with right now. Um, but it was also fun to just see what random things popped up um, that, you know, it just kind of came out of left field. And it was like, Oh, I never really thought about that. Um, so I felt, I felt it was both insightful and grounding at the same time. And what I loved was it was quick and easy, which tends to be my favorite practice. <laughs> um,
3: perhaps that could be another I am statement for you, the I am quick or the <laughs> I am easy. You know something something to think about. We're learning a lot about you mark it's powerful powerful conversations. Um <laughs> Soki uh Oh, you know what? But to, to that to that point to that effect, though, yeah, you know, these tools are meant to be quick and easy. They really are. And um, this, uh, you know, I think I still think it's some of that like Judeo Christian conditioning that we all have a little bit of, and we, we can't not have, you know, because our culture was sort of grew from that um, of this like belief in you know this this, is like subconscious belief that you know ritual and ceremony has to be this deep you know lengthy uh oftentimes painful process and um actually i think the reading that we're going to review in testimony of light today uh really proves that that's just not true and so these tools that we can just pull up any time, these are really powerful, you know, uh, practices. So, yeah, quick and easy can be, doesn't mean that it's not potent and transformative. Um, Soki, would you like to share?
6: Hi, I enjoyed the am. It's easy for me to do that. I did it in a playful way. And I'm telling that to Carmela. But well, she drives me to work in the morning, so we play with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, beautiful. I loved reading your I Am Statement, uh, Sophie. I
3: always do because, you know, uh, Toki, you really do give me the experience of someone who's really doing the work and really standing in it. Uh, I always love reading your stuff and hearing you uh, share, so thank you for always just going there. Um, Okay, uh, Ellie, are you on the call?
5: Yeah, I'm in the
3: car. That's great. How is your uh, I am statement?
6: I have to be honest, I did it um, a few times. I'm kind of going through a really rough times, so um, the times that I did do it, it, it it's empowering. Um, and uh, I, I held those I am statements with me, carrying me through this time right now. So um, it definitely um, changes the, your energetic. Vibration of your thoughts so it was good it was a good exercise
3: especially right now well yeah especially in times when we can uh, you know times where we feel very sensitive very raw uh and we're susceptible to that victim thinking that's when this stuff is you know really can really come in uh be really helpful really really helpful so, um, and uh, if you guys remind me, let's 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 be mindful to put Ellie in our prayer at the end of class. Um, okay, that's everybody, right? Let's grab Testimony of Light, and
5: we're going to read a section together. And it's on page 54, 13th January.
3: We're going to read the entire section together. Take us two minutes if we're consistent. And uh, if your paragraph is like one sentence, then read that sentence and then read the next paragraph as well. Okay? Reading order will be myself, I'll go first. And then we'll go uh Brandon, Sokey, Mark, Jennifer. Brandon, Sokey, Mark, Jennifer. Starting on page 54, the section is 13th January. I'll begin. We had an arrival who did not stay with us. After arrest, continued on her way. This was an interesting case. This was a woman who had been nurse and missionary for many years of her life in Africa, and had lived the Christian religion. She was put to death when there had been an uprising by the natives, and with her, a small native boy whom she had befriended. They had arrived here together, for it seemed that
0: even in the period of transition to this plane... She had held the child to her with love. This is a woman whom, if I had not learned better, I could find within myself to envy. She is such a beautiful soul with the light of love surrounding her like a halo. Her first words when she became conscious of her surroundings were, I knew I would wake up among sisters. Thank God, it is wonderful. There was in her mind no question of surviving the terrible ordeal through which she had met death. There's no recriminations, no fears, and most impressive of all, no hatreds. She exuded unselfish love.
6: Her quick concern for the little dark-skinned boy, when she learned that she was here with her safely sleeping, she almost felt too joy. You see, I promised his parents to went on some time. Before that, I would look after him, she said. Now I can really rest a while.
2: She was a joy to us all here, a soul full of light and beauty. She and I had great talks. I told her of my visit to the doctors and of the great physician who is their leader. She was thrilled and uplifted. I knew that soon she would find herself in the presence of some great soul.
4: But not before little Lucky had been restored to his own parents, she insisted So the sisters set out to find the boy's parents. I do not mean, of course, that they did this in the physical sense in which we would have done it on earth. They concentrated, asking for help from the great ones who direct the newly arrived souls. They also sent out their thoughts to contact the beam on whose ray these souls were abiding, and a contact was made.
3: A messenger arrived with a guide. And little Lockie went on to his rightful place. His foster mother was overjoyed, for she knew that she would be able to visit him and help him as she had done before, when in physical form. Here I must say a word about the boy. A child is so much nearer to his soul life. Even this child's few short years on earth—six, I believe—I uh, believe—had scarcely separated him from his before birth contact with divine love. This love had been continued. For him, by his missionary mother, he accepted our new life with uh, quiet wonder and yet fulfilled joy. He loved us all, and once he told Mother Florence of a great angel whom he said he had seen with us in the home. For me, it has been a precious and wonderful experience to have witnessed the rebirth here of such innocence. The soul of this child, unsoluted, untainted by the materialism and separation of earth beliefs, was so ready for the heaven world. I can express it best by saying, it was like a bud opening to flower here. Please write this and stress it, for it will, I feel, give comfort to those fathers and mothers who may
0: have been separated by what the world calls death and their little ones. Lockie rejoined his people, our missionary rested with us. To me, she was a lesson without words, how much I learned from her, for she was indeed one of the chosen
6: her brief join with us here it helps me to rethink my old set of values. We do not make the mistake of valuing intellect too highly in the earth's life, scorning the simple follower of reality. This woman has intelligence, but not a tainted or well-developed intellect, which so she is daily from the true center of herself. In other words, the spirit was her daily guide, and every problem Every difficulty and every joy she took to this master with she radiated peace and love and joy, and death had meant little to her. She was well acquainted with the inner voice and obeyed the higher will. It had taken her through strange experiences. It was quite clear that she had brought a divine way into the world with her lowly and far from the clever as she was.
2: She had lived what so many of us had talked about. The values are awry on earth. Intellect and a trained brain, a trained brain minded are great adjuncts, but they often become barriers to truth and a true expression of divine love. Man's reasoning mind must learn to be obedient to and cooperative with the inner self. Christ and every man of the teaching of the Master Jesus and the light within the Eastern sages. To me, this has been demonstrated very clearly by the passing through our station of this great soul, so simple yet profound in her understanding of at one moment with the truth.
4: Mother Florence has told me about her departure. She and our missionary. We're talking together on the terrace here when Mother Flores observed that her patient appeared to have gone into a deep contemplation. They remained still and silent. Mother felt a great presence of an angel of light with them. She held her soul she held her soul in quiet expectation. Then the light grew stronger about them, the air more potent, and there was a feeling of music. Her missionary friend, she says, impulsively stirred, put out her hand and touched Mother Florence.
3: Thank you and bless you all for your kind reception of me, she whispered. How splendid your work is here, and I realize that it is entirely voluntary. But your true place is waiting for you
0: all when you have completed your service. May I often come and visit with you. Mother Florence felt that she had no words with which to reply except God bless you. The light grew and multiplied about them and Mother said that her eyes were only able to perceive the light and nothing more. She felt herself sweep upward into enlightenment.
6: When her spirit returned, both her words, a missionary had left. She had gone to a rightful place. Love had been translated to higher spheres. You see, long before intellect, as in the scientists or skill, as in Dr. X, have been ready to ascend. What a lesson for us here, for those on Earth. Please record it.
5: Okay. So, let's talk about... Um,
3: let's read into this this section and share what your takeaway and understanding of the teaching of this story is. So I'm going to just open
5: up the group and let you all discuss. Um, I have a question,
0: I mean, to anyone who might uh, understand. Uh, Are they saying that she was kind of like, on her last run on earth. And then once she finally got there, she didn't have to stay in the waiting period long. Cause she was ascending to like a final place in like quote, unquote heaven. Is that what, mm. is that what I'm seeing happen to this woman? <laughs> is that what's <laughs> happening to everyone? Cause I don't know. There's a lot going on. <laughs> uh,
3: no, I think that she was saying that she didn't have to stay long in, uh, well, I mean, if we if we look at it from a course in miracles perspective, from the perspective of individualized curriculum, then yes, you're accurate with that with that understanding. Uh, you can weave in some of uh, the discussion on karma and say that perhaps her karma was fulfilled, or perhaps the uh, the uh, the murder or execution death that she experienced was fulfilling the last bit of karma that she needed to experience. And so what this is saying is, uh, the, the teaching in this specific, this particular, uh, portion is saying that she didn't stay in like the transition period very long. There wasn't a lot of healing work that needed to happen as far
0: oh. as. I because so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, the only reason it threw me off is because she had gone to her rightful place with place as a capital P. And usually I feel like people only capitalize things when they're talking about like, like the, where God is.
3: Yeah, no, they are. They are. But this is a, I think that what we're learning here is that sort of where Francis is at is a stage of development, a stage of um, unfoldment. And mm-hmm. in this stage, this is where people are sort of transitioning from uh, the, an earthly existence, and they're sort of purifying their mind so that they can mm-hmm. ascend to higher levels. And she's sharing that there wasn't a lot of purification that needed to happen to this woman. And so she, she had ascended to the next... Um, when she said her rightful place, meaning her her uh the, she she was more energetically available, available to a say to the yeah to the more advanced state. And uh but what's interesting in this is what qualified her, what what uh supported her in being more available? That's the question to ask.
6: It's too less. Love has trans- it says here. Love had been translated to higher spheres. So that's her qualification.
4: And it's that she lived her life from the center of herself, right? She lived every every problem and every difficulty
1: <clears throat>
4: was handled by her true self and not by not ruled by her earthly. But- Desires?
5: Yep. So, you know, as
3: as we explore Course in Miracles more and more, it talks about how you know, we can hand everything over to Spirit, to Holy Spirit. And so, and this is before, you gotta know, this is before Course in Miracles was uh, out there, guys. So, it's, I find this teaching to be in such alignment with Course in Miracles. Uh, And so it's interesting to see sort of like what was happening during, you know, in the late 60s that, you know, uh, the world was ready to receive this sort of, this kind of teaching, these kind of clear teachings about oneness and a lot of emphasis on the light. You'll hear her talk about rays and angels and masters all of that information is woven into A Force of Miracles as well. And so it's definitely, you know, there were some open channels during this time that was receiving some real information from the collective um, about oneness and about the process. And because the whole teaching is just about, you know, um, the process of peeling off layers of separation to experience a greater awareness of oneness in the light. What I find really intriguing about this part, too, is it talks about intellect versus, uh, I would say, emotional or spiritual intelligence and versus intellect. Because she says that this woman wasn't what you would consider intelligence. You know, she wasn't clever by Earth standards, and yet she was a more advanced soul
0: because she that's what I was... was... Gonna... Oh. Go ahead. No, that's what I was going to... Um... Uh, say once you posed the question after I got my clarification was that um, she wasn't busy in the realm of reason and like intellect and all she was literally like um, her consciousness was above that because you know if, if we all function the consciousness of like reason and logic and intellect then we miss out on oftentimes joy and love and bliss and enlightenment that you know is beyond reason oftentimes beyond intellect so for her you know whether it was a karmic path or whatnot she she chose not to have that intellectual noise (laughs) if it would appear because it can get in the way and um uh you know there's clarity in not overthinking all the situations that are happening to us and just being able to trust that intuitive gut that uh, that nudge that is more of God than of our you know you know earthly minds, and um you know I think that's something personally that I struggle with um, is you know calming the the thinking calming the analyzing so I can actually just be with the feeling and then you know not letting the thinking get in, get in the way because you know it um It cancels out a lot for me.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the Course in Miracles even says, you know, uh, ego analyzes where spirit accepts and allows.
5: Ego analyzes where spirit accepts and allows. And so
3: what I find most profound about this teaching is that it shares how this is a woman who led from her. I mean, how does she say it? Her center. So, what the teaching is, she handed everything over, in essence, to the Holy Spirit. There, you know. Um, Jacob always teaches. Jacob Glass always teaches that you know we we don't we, we we assume that when it says hand everything over to Holy Spirit that we are thinking that it's the big the big decisions, you know, like the, you know, when we're in conflict and when we're in uh, times of peril or upset, but that's not the case. It's everything, every decision. And it's hard for us to wrap our brain around that because we think that's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But imagine how, what if everything, if we really began to lean into the possibility that everything, that there's no coincidence and everything is um, designed to support us, then why wouldn't we, you know, hand over what shampoo we buy to the to Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't we hand over what outfit to wear to the Holy Spirit? And we think, well, that's just trivial. But what if there's um, something that knows better than we. What if one specific shirt is going to catch the attention of a specific person that can support us in shifting our perspective, you know, expanding our understanding of oneness? And we, what if, you know, what if we wouldn't catch that person's attention and be able to connect and communicate with that person if we weren't wearing a specific outfit? And so to develop the habit of handing everything over every day, every conversation, every time before you walk out the door, every time before you start the engine, every time before you order the cup of coffee, what if you developed the um, practice of handing everything over to the Holy Spirit? I believe that we, was it this group that we tried to do that divine experiment? We're just doing it for a week to see how
5: often we can hand things over to God?
4: I don't think that was us.
5: It may have been
3: the practice threes, and there was such resistance to that because it felt, um, you know, it brought up a lot of stuff with people being like, this feels like it's a zealous practice, and I don't want to be a zealot. But again, that's just the intellect. <laughs> our intellects get in our way so much. and. So often, it's our intellect that will make us concerned about what how others perceive us. It really felt like this woman that they are sharing, this advanced spirit, was, you know, just devoted to being truly helpful and handed everything over to God. And in her willingness to just be devoted, to live from her center, you know, she's saying, uh, you know, Mother Frances was saying that um, she uh, ascended. <laughs> That's what they're talking about is ascension. They're talking about ascension. Um, hold on. There's a section I'd like to read. A couple of things, verbiage, for those who have challenges sometimes with uh, sort of like what we were talking last week about uh, things sounding a little Catholic or Christian.
5: Well, right here she's referencing the the Holy Spirit, but she lit. This is on page 56. I think it's
3: the second paragraph, the paragraph. But she lived daily from the true center of herself. In other words, the Spirit was her daily guide in every problem, every difficulty, and every joy she took to this master within. So think about that. She's saying the Holy Spirit, if you want to get to forth on, the Holy Spirit was her daily guide. Every problem, every difficulty, every joy she took to the master within. And what's the result of that? She radiated peace and love and joy and her death meant little to her. She was well acquainted with the inner voice and she obeyed her higher will. We talk about God's will in the first module, that God's will and God's nature are synonymous, and so she was beginning to already experience, it's like that idea that we talked about, that you stop saying, oh my God, that's so crazy, or oh my God, this is so weird, as you experience more and more of synchronicity of how the universe works. You're like, it's not weird, it's spiritual law, what I think about create. but I I create what I think about. So, you know, if I'm really thinking on someone, I know that intuitively I'm connecting with them. And so it's not so crazy when I see them randomly at Starbucks. I haven't seen them in three years. Here it is. Okay. Um, Man's reasoning mind must learn to be obedient to cooperate with the inner self the Christ in every man of the teaching of the Master Jesus and the light within the Eastern Sages. To me, this has been been demonstrated very clearly by the passing through our station of this great soul so simply and profound in our understanding of the at-one-ment with truth. So I love that they talk about, um, I love even how uh, to talk about last week's, conversation a little bit as well how when she awoke in this space she goes i knew there were going to be sisters here and again this goes back to she was a student of the bible this is clear but she was practicing the true teachings of the master jesus and i love how uh Florence uh, mentions, too, that about, uh, you know, the Eastern Sages as well. So, uh, I mean, Francis, sorry, uh, talks about the Eastern Sages as well because now she's gently, very gently, because we have to be mindful again when this was written, suggesting that there are many paths towards enlightenment if the root teaching is actually taught. But this woman, who was a study of the Bible, who was a, uh, a student of the Bible, woke up knowing that she's going to be surrounded by sisters because that is the extension of that's what she found comfort in. That's what she could listen to. So again, it's not. It, I'm just going to invite everyone to be willing to transcend the appearance of you know. Uh, uh, Catholicism and things like that because this is just the extension of these people and those that are connecting with um, Sister Francis and that find comfort in the appearance of that sort of teacher and so it's just something to be thoughtful of last thing I'm going to uh, talk about you know uh, earlier in the reading we talked about the doctor and um, she really starts getting into this Conversation about groups, about groups, and how the great how the doctors met with uh, meet with a great physician who seems to be sort of the teacher of these of this group. But she also referenced. She goes, you know, it's interesting. Like the doctor is still within this plane, working within his group. This woman transcended to a higher existence, a higher level of existence, and she was simple minded because she she lived from her center, she was in uh truly connected with uh, the Christ within, so these are just uh things to contemplate. anything else on this story, any other like thoughts questions anything come up for you guys
4: um yeah, I'd just like to mention that you know essentially what I was reading into this too is that it, it is connected to cause and effect and karma in that you know when we're facing our karma in an earthly existence we tend to create new karma for ourselves something happens to us we react however we react and in that reaction we're just setting ourselves up for more karma to come and so I was in the in the reading when I kind of look beyond it it sounded like this woman you know faced all of that from her center with love and joy, even in the face of her own murder, she had no ill will, or she didn't. She didn't get stuck in that. And in Eastern philosophy, they talk a lot about transcending the cycle of birth and death. And only when you can really face your your karma without generating new karma, accepting it and loving it, and um, you know, only then can you really transcend this karmic cycle. And so I was kind of reading into that a little bit with what the exact paragraph that you were reading is this woman just, she didn't live a reactive life. She met every adversity with joy and love in her heart, including her murder, which, you know, that's gotta be a tough one.
3: Well, I mean, think about it. Why, why do we suffer when we get a diagnosis? From the doctor, I'm going to open this question up to Mark, actually. Why do we suffer, or why do people suffer when they get a
5: diagnosis from the doctor because they believe the diagnosis to be true Yes, uh, I mean and so let's talk in uh, like the physical realm, let's say uh. The experience
3: that you're having, Mark, well, okay, let's say The experience that Petey, Mr. Petey is having is that there is uh, the appearance of cancerous cells in his body that are malignant and they're multiplying. So if you were, uh, so, and let's say Mr. Petey is completely upset by this and distraught and devastated and angry and all that stuff. What is it that's making him angry, and devastated, and
2: distraught. He's not accepting what is.
3: Yeah. And, but what comes up with it? So, you know, you hear the word cancer, and what comes up with that word?
5: It's death. Well, yeah. Well, there's history. There's a story behind
3: it. So it's not the actual diagnosis of creating upset misery in his life, it's the story that has arisen that he's energizing about it. And so when we're talking about like karma, like approaching karma from a mindful space, it's, it's accepting what is and accepting that. Remember, karma is learning opportunities, it's opportunities for learning. And what is the learning? That we're all doing. We're learning about oneness. So that's the great learning. We're learning about our oneness with God. And so, if we can, that's why the Course in Miracles talks about healing having, sometimes having nothing to do with what manifests in the physical realm, in the material realm. Healing is all done at the level of the mind. That's what we mean by healing is done at the level of the mind. And so we can get a diagnosis like cancer, but we don't have to be uh, victims of it. We can accept it and we can go in, like this woman suggested that we were just reading about so brilliantly, and hand it over to the Holy Spirit. What is this for? What is this for? Not why is this happening, but what is this for? and allow ourselves to gain the insight there. And once we are at peace, then the healing has occurred. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the symptoms of the cancer in the material world go away. It means that we are at peace no matter what unfolds before us. And so think of the freedom that that can bring to us if we are able to go there with no matter what uh, is handed to us in the physical realm? You lose your job. What if we didn't have the story? If we didn't have a story about what that meant, then why would we be upset about that? If we didn't immediately have the story of how am I going to pay my bills? This is bad. I'm embarrassed. I'm always vain. If we were able to transcend that, then, why would we not be just accept it and move towards a new position? So it's always, all of this is just about our belief system, about our perspective, even in this realm. And uh, so I think it's really something not to glaze over when she said she was, you know, she wasn't that affected by her death.
5: He had lived what so many of us had talked about. He had lived what so
3: many of us have talked about. And from the beginning, we've talked about we will never experience true transformation until we apply the principles instead of just
5: theorize and discuss them. So, I wanted to spend just a few minutes, uh,
3: well, actually, uh, does everyone feel complete with this section? Any any questions? Any
5: thoughts? Any ideas coming up? This is one of my very favorite sections of this book. I think it's
3: so insightful and so uh, it's such a good lesson.
5: It's like one of the parables. So let's talk a little bit about uh, these groups, soul groups. Uh, talking
3: about Doctor X and how he's working in a group of great physicians, and that they're working for us, for the Earth realm. You know, they're they're sharing, um, you know, energetically with their understanding a deeper understanding Um, and uh, but there's a group so she talks about this group the soul group and she talks about the halls of musicians so there's like uh, music groups and um, art groups and dance groups and all these different sort of soul tribe groups and it's interesting it's an interesting conversation because um it feels to me that the groups are a step closer to oneness because we are connecting with others who are expressing an aspect of the divine mind as we continue to understand more deeply our interconnectivity. And I love the. Uh, I, I've always really resonated with this teaching, this idea of soul groups, because I believe that we are a soul group, having these conversations. You know, we feel drawn and compelled to have these conversations for a reason, because it's part of our karma, right? It's part of what calls us for. We feel called to express these principles in this realm as our life. We feel connected with it. We feel at peace when we are in the practice of it. And we share it with those who are um, willing to receive. And so I truly feel like we are a group, a soul group. And um, I really love the idea that's really being taught here that this is a process of expansion they talk a bit in a bit in a really important part about shifting your perception so it's um, shifting your perception about to the uh, you know the eternal nature of life being able to shift that meaning the eternal nature of life that this is all part of the experience we believe because that's what we the ego does is that we think that this is where it begins and ends, that the, our time on planet Earth is where it begins and ends. And this is where we work out all of the karma. This is where we, understand, we learn all about one. This is, this is everything has to be done on this realm. Well, this book is, is shifting that conversation saying, no, it continues. Even when you're out of the physical body, you continue to learn more about your true nature. It's not just a wake-up, lights-on, enlightenment, I only know how everything works we keep continuing to peel off layers and layers and layers of separation. And if it will best support our evolution, we come back and do another round here on the earth playing. So there's no, you know, it's all supporting it. And with, if anything, if, I think that there's a sense of, and again, going back to sort of that, uh, you know, that Christian conditioning of this idea of meeting heaven you know, needing heaven to be the um,
1: the reward
3: for living this earth life, you know. We're, we're needing a place that gives us um, a reward for going through all this shit. You know, I'll be willing to suffer. I'll be willing to do all this stuff. I'll be willing to whatever, whatever. But I expect at the end of the tunnel to be a big party waiting for me where I don't have to do anything but, you know, relax and kick back and party and in a sense that's what this is doing this is a space this realm that she's operating at it's a place where people relax and rejuvenate and um, explore their experience on earth and how they could have done it perhaps differently and they either continue on or they go back again but it is a rejuvenation in the rest area So it's a fascinating conversation about the process, a process, an eternal process. And it seems as though those who have a deeper understanding of their oneness, like this woman that we just talked about, uh, of the um, creative sort of guide within, have an easier access to transcend, to ascend to new levels of light. Of uh, spiritual
5: intelligence so does anyone have any questions about this idea of soul groups
3: about this um, sort of this new perspective that we're being
5: offered through the lens of francis our narrator Brandon you weren't on the call last week. Uh, I I'm, I'm not sure if you listened to it or not, but uh, I just want to give you the uh
3: opportunity to share your perspective on sort of this this uh interpretation or this story of later life
5: aka life after death.
0: Hi um yeah I don't think I thought about it as much as I did when I was a child like when I was a child I was constantly like having night terrors because I was like do I go to hell do I not go to hell do I go to hell <laughs> like what happens when we die how can I possibly have this conscious mind for all of eternity so um so I kind of like haven't done too much work in the respect of what happens after we die so this is I think Honestly, if I were to start anywhere, this, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I feel like a, the gentlest lead in. Um, I kind of like that transition period, um, not in the purgatory sense. I like the transition period that, you know, maybe familiar people, maybe the ones that you really loved and weren't ready to let go of in that three-dimensional quality or that um, even just separating personalities quality, I, maybe I wouldn't be ready to let it go just yet. Um, for me, I'm definitely, there's there's the ego part where it's like, fuck, do I have to be like, this life Continued on like the i can 't do that, I can barely do this one <laughs> um, and then um, but then i i I was very comforted by the story of this missionary woman um, because i as I feel like as long as there's evidence of moving into spaces that I yet can't comprehend. I'm almost, it's, it's more for me, I'm more reassured in knowing that there's things beyond that I can't comprehend than in knowing that I can comprehend what's beyond. Cause that scares me. Cause I feel like I'm so limited. So if I can understand the beyond, then it's not big enough for me. It's not um, big enough to redo whatever, I feel needs to be redone or undone. So um yeah, I like the I like that there's a gentle progress and that it hasn't yet talked about the final or beyond or whatever. Um so I'm I'm content for now with this experience of it. And I'm also uh, acknowledging that um they're using their their knowledge this you know um, Helen is using her knowledge in symbols and coloring and archetypes that she's conscious of. So, you know, someone in India maybe a hundred years prior would have a different perspective on what this whole thing would it wouldn't look like a nineteen sixties clinic where people are convalescing. It would look something different. So I, I also am taking reassurance in that we are given things that feel familiar in that transition period, and the things that feel most comforting. And that's what I'm getting out of it, that people are surrounded by things that can, that in their mind are comforting them. And that's it. <laughs> when you awaken on the other side, Brandon, I'll be there. i be like, hey, girl. I would love that. I mean, hey, I would honestly hey. love that. I'm like, Mother Florence,
1: <laughs> is that you?
3: <laughs> girl, come check out my light garden. It's Amazing.
1: <laughs> like, how long do I have to stay? <laughs> when is this over?
3: <laughs> uh, okay, guys. So, um, we are going to take a break. Uh, so, let's take five minutes. Uh, it's 9. Let's just get back at 9.40, okay? Uh, so, go ahead and uh, refill your coffee, water,
5: tea. Do a team call, and I'll meet you back here in at 9:40. Okay.
3: 9:40. So, we're going to turn back to uh Course in Miracles. Manual for Teachers. We're going to go back to the qualities of the characteristics of, of God's teachers. And we're going to start with honesty. And we're just going to read through these bad boys. And after each section, uh, we'll take a moment to share and talk about it. Uh, and
5: uh, all right, yeah, pretty good. So um, we're going
3: to, everyone's going to just read their own section. So we'll go section by section. So I'll begin and we'll do the same reading order as before. So it will be me, and then I think it was Brandon, Soki, Mark, and Jennifer. And uh, so join me now. It's page 11 on Manual for Teachers, section 2 in the Characteristics of God's Teachers, uh, Honesty.
5: Honesty. Section 2. All other traits of God's teachers rest on
3: trust. Once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. Only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word, and no word lacks agreement with another. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. No one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is dishonesty. There is no challenge to uh, a teacher of God. Challenge implies doubt, and the trust on which God's teachers rest Makes doubt impossible. Therefore, they can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world, and all things in it, for the unchanging and unchangeable beyond appearances, and for the Son of God and his Creator. How could they not succeed? They choose in perfect honesty, sure of their choice as of themselves. So let's take this back to the conversation we were having with Mark earlier today about getting a diagnosis. So if a teacher of God is exhibiting trust, then they have to be honest with themselves. You know, honesty is a byproduct of trust. And so, Mark, since we were having a conversation earlier, how would, how would a teacher of God who's displaying, who's resting in perfect trust and practicing perfect honesty, how would they remain at peace if given a
5: diagnosis of cancer or something similar? They would... Ask, what is this for? Yeah, and what would they be trusting?
2: That everything is for our greatest good.
3: And if they were being honest with themselves, what does that mean about themselves?
2: They're being consistent with
3: that practice. Yeah, but... Yes, and
5: uh what is the truth about about
2: us that we are love?
3: Yes. And love is temporary or love is eternal? Yes. And so are we are is the truth of who we are this physical body is that who we are? No. Right. So, now we're cooking with gas, right? So, if ever we're being honest with ourselves, then we have to, it's just a a reminder of who and what we are. That's That's what our honesty is. And so, if we're being honest with ourselves, we cannot go into fear. There is no conflict in truth. Because what is ever unfolding is for our greatest good, meaning a deeper understanding of our oneness with God. We are eternal. And so whatever seems to be unfolding is unfolding for us. And that is how we remain at peace through the experiences that arise during our
5: Uh, through in, lifetime Any other thoughts or questions about honesty? Remember, the first part of it is trust. Trust, trust,
3: trust, trust, trust. We trust when we know. It's about deepening our faith until we have the experience of it. Let's continue to read on. The next one,
0: uh, Brandon, Tolerance. Three, Tolerance. God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest. For to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How, then, could you not have been deceived in yourself? Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teacher of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable for who could judge otherwise. Without judgment are all men brothers, for who is there who who stands apart? Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn.
3: Reverend Jennifer shared this great story at the group level, so I'm going to share it with you because it's not private anymore. Uh, she was um, counseling uh, a student of hers who went to a Marianne Williamson lecture, and she was, like, so, like, in love with the lecture and in love with what Marianne was sharing. And then she said she uh, was outside, and Marianne came to get her car, and <laughs> I guess Marianne was having a very human moment and it was really nasty to the valet person and made kind of a scene, like a really, uh, uh, having a diva moment, if you will. And so, you know, Jas, uh, Jennifer used that as evidence of something, of a story that she had for, uh, about Marianne. And um, she was, talking with Venerable and she shared that story with Venerable and Venerable just went, Oh yes, yes, we all have challenging moments.
5: And so
3: <laughs> Jennifer was like, Oh yeah, I guess you're right. I guess we do all have moments sometimes where we uh you know, aren't always in perfect alignment with perfect love. And but the the teaching that she really got there was Venerable refused to sign off on some story that Marianne was you know, uh, uh, that she was somehow uh, not in, like, she's not a good teacher or she's a fake or a phony or anything like that. She just simply said, Yeah, we all have our moments. We all have our moments. And so she was practicing non judgment. So I think that tolerance could actually, I mean, this description of tolerance uh, says, I, I have history of tolerance. I don't like that word tolerance very much. But I love non-judgment. So that's what I feel into when I read the word tolerance here. And that's what they're sharing, is tolerance in this capacity is the ability to remember the truth of everyone. Because you're, if you are in judgment, you are in self-deception. So, Brandon, what does that mean? If we're in judgment, we're in self-deception.
0: Well, if we're in judgment, chances are we're... Um, calling that which is untrue about other people and if we're all one then that which is untrue about others is also untrue about us so we're deceiving ourselves and we're paying this image that if you're inherently sinful or evil or bad or wrong then I must be too yeah exactly
3: exactly and even the base the base of that too is you're seeing yourself as separate from your brothers and sisters and you're seeing them as the cause of your upset or annoyance or frustration, when how could that possibly be true, and so we've taken our brothers and sisters hostage, making them responsible for our peace of mind when our peace of mind comes from living honestly.
1: any
5: other uh, anything you'd like to add on about tolerance, anyone? Beautiful. Okay. Soki, gentleness.
6: Gentleness. Harm is impossible for God's teachers. They can neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. It is the dishonest acts that follow a dishonest thought. It is a verdict of guilt upon a brother and therefore on oneself. It is the end of peace and the denial of learning. It demonstrates the absence of God's curriculum and its replacement by insanity. No teacher of God but no teacher of God but must learn. And very early in his training the harmfulness completely obliterates his function from his awareness. It will make him confused, fearful, angry and suspicious. It will make no spirit's lessons impossible to learn nor can God's teachings do it at all, except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing. No gain can come of it. Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness, For it is in this that the function of salvation becomes easy. To those who would do harm, it is impossible. To those to whom harm has no meaning, it is merely natural. But first, but there's has meaning to the same. Who chooses hell when he perceives a way to heaven? And who would choose the witness that must come from harm in place of the unfailing or undercrasting and limitless type of gentleness? The might of God pictures lies in their gentleness, for they have understood that evil thoughts come neither from God's Son nor His Creator. That they turn their thoughts to him, who is their source, and so their will, which always has its own, is free to be itself.
3: Yes. So, Soki, in order to believe that someone deserves to be farmed, what do we have to believe?
6: What did you say again?
5: I'm sorry, what, honey? Can you repeat
6: what you said?
3: I'm really sorry. I'm having a hard time understanding you. Uh, Can you speak a little more clearly into the phone?
6: Yeah. I'm requesting you to repeat your statement.
5: Uh, you know, guys, I, I really apologize. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me. I, I'm having a hard time understanding. So,
4: She's asking you to repeat your question.
3: Oh, okay. I can do that. Uh, in order to believe that someone
5: deserves to be harmed, what is it that we are believing?
6: Separation.
5: Yeah, that's definitely the umbrella that it all falls under.
6: Yeah, because in oneness, if one is harmed, I am one. I am. I am harmed too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so go, go all the time. Uh, there should always be a belief in oneness. Mm-hmm. All so, the time. So key
3: What is one of the base teachings of radical forgiveness?
5: That everyone is what? Everyone is innocent. Yes, everyone is innocent.
3: Right. And so in order to believe that someone uh, needs to be harmed is a belief that they are
5: what? What's the opposite of innocence?
6: that they are guilty.
5: Yes, exactly.
3: And so what this is teaching is that to know thyself, teacher of God, to know thyself, uh, one has to be gentle
5: because one is seeing everyone as innocent. beginning with ourselves, always. So we're seeing the innocence in all, and so we treat
3: others with gentleness and kindness and love and compassion because
5: we are seeing them as innocent. So, Shilky, uh
3: who do we always say, like, like, in terms of our society and all the people in our society, who are we always saying that, uh, has who has such innocence as a mother? Who do you see as
5: being having a lot of innocence? Uh, the children. Yes, children, exactly. And so
3: if we are to see the innocence in everyone, it's says if we're seeing everyone as a child. And even if a child is coming at you or trying to say something about you, prove something about you, if we are trusting, if we are being honest, if we are practicing true tolerance, then we can only see the innocence of that child. And when would we ever bring harm? Anyone that is in their right mind... When do we ever bring harm to a child? Never, because we always see a fit or a tantrum or whatever as a cry for love. And so this is where we go back to our conversation about responsibility, being able to respond in love, being able to respond to a cry for love in love. And that's gentleness,
5: bringing harm to no living Any, uh, anything, would anyone like to add anything to this conversation on gentleness? Beautiful. Okay.
3: All right. So, Mark Greger, take it away. Joy. Joy
2: is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And what could come to interfere with joy? The open hands of gentleness are always filled. The gentle have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved, beloved and must be safe. Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers trust in him. And they are sure his teacher goes before them. Making sure no harm can come to them. They hold his gifts and follow in his way because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks. And Christ looks down on them in thanks as well. His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. How joyous is it to share the purpose of salvation! that's
5: it yeah no I was just
2: reflecting
3: on that that line joy is their song of
5: thanks beautiful is that I don't have a lot to add to this I feel like
3: it's very clear teaching Mark do you have anything you'd like to share on it
2: not really yeah it seemed pretty straightforward
5: His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. How joyous is it to share the purpose of salvation. (sighs) Beautiful. Okay. Uh,
4: Jennifer.
3: Defenselessness.
4: Defenselessness. God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth. They do not try to make themselves. Their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created and does what God created need defense? No one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but foolish guardians of mad illusions. And The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. Yet when the teacher of God finally agrees to look past them, he finds that nothing was there. Slowly at first, he lets himself be undeceived, but he learns faster as his trust increases. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety, it is peace, it is joy, and it is God.
5: Jennifer, what are you most defensive about in your life? Um uh,
4: let's see, I'm I get pretty defensive about my time and levels of responsibility. Um, you know, I hear myself saying like this. Uh, stuff in my head, like you know, I'm a grown ass woman. I'll do what I want to do. Say out a lot.
3: So, what is that in response to?
4: Um, things I want to, things I want to eat, things I want to do. You know, smoking cigarettes, like just stuff that I like. Know is. Not for my greatest good, but I feel like I want to do it anyway, and I contribute to life in so many ways, and I'm, I've am i given up so many things, and I'm doing such a good job, I should get to have what I want.
3: Mm-hmm. So you're defensive against what you believe are societal beliefs, yeah, that, what, smoking is bad? Or that um you know eating what you want, uh so like that there are certain foods that are bad um
5: so it's uh, it's like defending
4: like the pleasure I take in things in which I have decided are not for my greatest good, mm mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
3: and so. When you partake, when you have to defend your your choices and you partake in them, how do you feel after you partake in them?
4: Oh, I usually feel remorse, like, oh, i got to stop doing that. When am I going to be able to stop doing that?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you yeah. say that the feelings are peaceful and joyful?
4: uh no, although the moment although the moment of consumption is generally peaceful and joyful
1: mhm yeah
3: we we often confuse pleasure for joy. we've become addicted to pleasure um and pleasure and joy are are two different things, although there's no reason why we can't experience and enjoy pleasure but we're talking about defensiveness here, and Jennifer's talking about how she's defensive to certain beliefs that she shouldn't um, uh, that she shouldn't smoke that she shouldn't eat certain foods and I'm sure there's many many layers of different beliefs that are under that so it's about when you're in trust and you're in uh, when you're being honest with yourself knowing that you are eternal knowing that um, uh, that you are one with God, then you transcend all of those beliefs. You see that those beliefs are just that. They're just beliefs about something that isn't true. Who has another example of uh, something that they get defensive of?
5: That creates upset in their life instead of an experience of peace and joy. I have a big one. Uh LGBT rights.
3: I'm super defensive. I mean that part where it says the more grotesque the dream appears to be. Um let me see, let me read that part.
5: Um
3: no one can be an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but foolish guardians of mad illusions. Oh, how beautiful. The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. I mean, anyone that's watching the political landscape right now has to be able to draw a clear line between that teaching and what we're experiencing um, right now today it's been uh really wild and it seems like you know i feel like i was having a conversation with my brother who was telling me about the candidates he's going to be voting for which are the libertarian candidates and he was sharing he's like jesse you should really check them out they seem to be really legit they're you know they're financially conservative but they're socially liberal you know, they're pot-smoking Republicans. They're kind of cool. I think you'd actually really like them. They're, you know, they're for social evolution. Uh, not, you know, they don't have, like, a, the conservative agenda, da 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 And I thought to him, I was like, you know, John, I said to him, I was like, John, I don't have the privilege not to vote. And this is my own experience. So I said, I don't have the privilege not to vote for Hillary Clinton because I have to vote on the person that I believe can uh, successfully defeat Donald Trump who is standing on the most anti-LGBTQ platform in history. And so I have to be able to put my, I got to put my vote on her because I don't have the luxury of, of, of letting him win because I feel like my rights are threatened. And so that's a perfect example of defensiveness, you know. Um defending a uh uh and what does god- what and what's it and does what God created need defend no if i'm believing it, I have to defend myself then I am energizing uh an illusion that is not true and listen there are we can debate this until the the sun goes down. But there are many, many layers of separation at play in that conversation. Um, and, uh, but that's just what I really resonated with because, let me tell you something, the dream appears to be grotesque and my defenses are very up right now. But let me tell you something, do I experience an overwhelming sense of joy and peace energizing that belief? No, I do
5: not. No, I do not. So, who else would like to talk about defenselessness? All right. Okay. Uh, We're going to go to paragraph by paragraph
3: now because uh, there's um, a lot more material. So let's start with generosity. I'll do the first paragraph. Brandon, you'll do the second. Generosity. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It is not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust. For without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. The world generosity means giving away in the sense of giving up. To the teachers of God, it means giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text and the workbook. But uh, But it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to
0: the teachers of God and to the world. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self which the world speaks. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep, because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God, and therefore for his son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Venerable's notorious for receiving a gift
3: at like a gathering that someone will bring her a gift, and by the end of the event, someone else is like wearing the scarf you gave her <laughs> because she she received the scarf and she goes, "Oh, you know who would love this is her because she's not attached to having the thing. <laughs> but we're talking about generosity, giving freely. What are some things that we can give free that we're, that we're talking about, Brandon, giving freely up. Um what was the question? We're talking about
0: giving freely. What are what are we giving freely of in the true definition of generosity? Um giving up anything that is blocking us from connecting with others. And what are we giving
3: of? What are we giving to? Or what what it's saying that we give freely,
0: what are we giving freely of? Oh, Um, You know, any spiritual principle, like love, honesty, um, joy, like anything I'm giving out, I'm, you know, giving back to myself, basically. Well,
5: yeah, exactly. That's what it means by self-interest. What were you going to say, honey? Me? Me?
0: Oh, uh, I don't think I was going to say anything, but, um, yeah, so if we're talking about um, self-interest as in the higher higher self term, meaning what and am I adding to this? What am I adding to any given situation? Um, any given situation needs exactly what I need. So any person that's in front of me who I deem uh, needs my love means I'm needing to give my love so I can feel it. I need to give my joy so I can feel it. I'm needing to show up honestly for this person so I can, you know, feel the honesty.
3: Yes. Whatever we give uh, away freely, we experience more of. And so if if we're operating with a clear understanding of who we are, then we... Understand that um, all those qualities of God will be experienced, will be multiplied through our willingness to give freely. That's just the law of giving and receiving. And Brandon, how do we
0: misinterpret it in the material realm? We believe that anything we give away, we lose.
5: Mhm. Mm-hmm. and also that there's a limited supply of things right
1: Mhm.
3: like I don't want to give all my love away to this person
0: because
3: <laughs> you know I mean, it's true right like yeah think of some conversations you just hear between your friends and stuff like that and they're feeling like that they're justified like it's some sort of like Empowering thing to be, uh, you know, be really, uh, you know, choose who you're giving your love to, you know, and uh, it's wild, it's wild. Because how could there possibly be a limit to love, to compassion, to forgiveness, and joy? How? Right. Beautiful. All right, we're going to read. The last one we're going to read today is Patience. So, uh, Soki, would you like to read that? We'll read along.
6: Sure. Patience. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcome. At a time perhaps unknown to him as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer and this is true for everything that happens now or in the future the past as well held no mistakes nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen perhaps it was not understood at the time even so the teacher of god is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone patience is natural to those who Sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time, no outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear.
1: This
3: all comes down, like I said, in the uh, first uh, section that we read today on um, uh, honesty, that these are all byproducts of trust. Patience is an extension of trust because we know that in, in trusting that we are eternal, that God is eternal, and trusting that our greatest good is always unfolding, trusting that everything is, uh, this, our individualized curriculum is established to support us in awakening to the truth of who we are. And knowing that, um, and even like considering the conversation we had earlier about testimony of life you know, that um, this is an eternal process of discovery, of peeling off layers, that there's no reason to be impatient. We all ascend. We will all ascend. How beautiful is it to know that? And so there is no sense of urgency necessary. There's no sense of urgency required. Because we are all eternal beings. We are all, the seed of enlightenment is in all of us. That's inevitable. We will all awaken to our oneness with God. And we're all already home. And so it's in understanding this and knowing this for our brothers and sisters too that supports us in practicing gentleness as our patience and understanding that Everybody is on their own path, and that path is perfect for them. It's perfectly designed to support them in awakening to the truth of who they are. So why do we need to rush them? Why do we, need, why do we expect them to understand things that they're not able to understand in this moment? They will. We all
5: will. That's the name of the game. Does anyone have any thoughts on patience? You know, out of all – what we're going to do is uh, you guys are going to read the um,
3: last two qualities this week to yourself, and you're going to post in the Facebook group which quality you feel that you're the most comfortable with, most confident in, the one that you embody the most in your life, and the one that you have the most challenges with, one that you feel like you could work on the most. And – uh The number one quality that most people have the hardest time with, most challenging time with, is patience. Patience tends to be the quality that most people feel as though they could have uh, a better uh, grip grip on. So I'll be interested to see what your experiences are. So your homework assignment this week, and I will uh, email you your reading assignment for Testimony of the Light, because we actually have, uh, uh, we won't, Connect in a group like this for two weeks because next week is the group call at 10:30 a.m. with Candice G. So our calendars, our guest teacher. But uh, um, yeah, so I'll I'll send you your, your reading assignment for Testament of the Light, and uh, there'll probably be a little writing discussion that as well. But uh, the big reading writing assignment this week is to go over all the ten characteristics of the teachers of God, and to share as a group the quality that you're working on embodying the most and the one that you feel like you do embody the most already. And then share a few, give an example, share what you mean by that and how that is true for you. And um, let's see what comes up. Let's see what comes up.
5: So uh, any questions? Does anyone have any questions? Okay, Um, so a couple of announcements.
3: Tomorrow, uh, from 2 to 4, we have a guest teacher coming in, a really wonderful guy. Uh, He authored a book called Frankly, My Dear, I'm Gay, and he's the host of Coming Out Lounge, which is a really popular podcast. Uh, He's an internationally recognized coach, and he works a lot um, with supporting people and creating, allowing their... Uh, sort of their uniqueness, their own sort of creative edge to come forward and to harness the power of your uniqueness to create interesting brands, work that you love, and to enhance your life experience. So uh, Rick Clemens is here tomorrow. I really encourage you guys to get in that class if you can. He's a great person to meet, and uh, I'm sure that we'll learn from him. I'm I'm excited to take his workshop. He'll also be the guest speaker in 10 minutes at service tomorrow as well. Um, next week, again, uh, all practitioner call with Candace G. so just know that the call is at 10:30 a.m. to standard time. Um, also, the practitioner ones are creating, um, they're creating a legacy project, and the legacy project is, the, um, is uh, they've been working on developing a more expansive prayer ministry for Inspire. And an in element of that will be uh, doing a monthly group. Prayer for Inspire with all of the practitioners. So all the practitioners fall in and pray together for Inspire. Uh, another element of that is having a prayer stations available at service. And so uh, I'm going to encourage everyone to sign up for, you know, one Sunday a month to come in and be at service, and then be available afterwards to pray for people. Uh, it's uh, important that we make that tool available to our conversation and our members. So, those are a few of the things that are floating around, and um, September 24th, which is a Saturday, is the um, practitioner graduation, uh, their first graduating class. So, I'm going to encourage you, if you can, to attend that as well. It will be a really special event, Um, and you can get a little – see what you guys will be experiencing next May.
5: Any questions? Beautiful. Then let's all together take a deep breath in,
3: noting that we are grateful for the time to connect, to dive into these wonderful texts, to peel away the layers of separation, to understand more clearly the truth of who we are so that we can stand more firmly in trust. We can allow the gentleness and generosity and non-judgment to express freely as our lives, creating harmony and flow and peace and each day with each breath. Holding Ellie up as she's moving through the experience of uh, growing into a new relationship with her, uh, with her partner, uh, Kare, knowing, surrounding them with light and love, knowing that where they are, God is, that so, this may feel challenging, they are surrounded and supported by the angels. We're knowing this for everyone, so we share the healing benefits of this time together with all because, one with all, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. All right, everyone. Have a beautiful rest of your weekend. I
5: look forward to seeing some of you tomorrow. And until then, be well.